and welcome back to the Sweet Things Podcast. I'm Kateri, and today I have a very special guest with me, Dennis Franco. If you're a longtime listener, you know that we had him on last year around Halloween time to tell his stories, his stories encountering the paranormal such as ghosts, demons, and honestly, only God knows what. So if you haven't listened to that episode, this is the perfect time of year to go back and listen to Dennis tell all of his crazy stories and things that he's encountered throughout his life. But today I have him back on again to talk about his experiences with extraterrestrial life, also known as aliens and UFOs. Um, Now, if you know me, you know I've always been skeptical, not really sure about aliens, if they exist, but Dennis turned me into a believer. I think at work one day we were kind of just... I don't know if I just asked him outright, do you believe in aliens, or if it was it came up in a conversation, but ever since the first story he told me, I'm like, all right, you got me. I'm hooked. I'm stuck. So I knew we were going to have him back on the podcast, and we figured we're in the thick of spooky season, so we're going to have Dennis back on to tell all of his stories about everything aliens. So without further ado, Dennis, here we are. Hi, Kateri. First of all, I want to thank you for having me back. I, uh, I really enjoyed uh, um, the first time we did this, and it was a learning experience, and I just uh, loved it and, and found that it was just uh, the perfect uh, way for me to tell my stories. So uh, this is one that's very special to me. Um, last Halloween, I told the Halloween stories, which were, 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 a, were a lot of fun. Um, but this, this is uh, uh, Aliens and UFOs it's Very personal to me And this is a story That is 60 years Literally 60 years in the making I'm going to start In the very beginning Here with my experiences And um, And I hope you enjoy this uh, all, I don't I can tell you right now That I don't have any answers <laughs> To any of this <laughs> All I can tell you is what I experienced Mm -hmm. and what I saw. Yeah. Um, And so here we go. Okay, and I hope you enjoy this. All right, let's do it. So what's the sitch? Okay, this in the beginning. This is 1962. Okay. And I was five years old, if you can imagine. (laughs) You know, it's hard for me to even imagine this. Um... But I'm five years old, 1962, in Tempe, Arizona. Uh, my brother is five years older than me. He's actually asleep uh, in the bed next to me, um, which is interesting because uh, as this story goes on here, at no point did I feel like I could uh, ask him for help. <laughs> um, I, you know, if I had said anything to him, he probably would have slapped me silly, yeah, to be yeah. honest with you. But, um, Anyway, I'm five years old, and I can't sleep, which is normal for me. I'm wide awake, lying in bed, um, and um, as I'm lying there, and I got to tell you, I'm wide awake, lying there, and I can't tell you that there was a moment when when any of this started. Um, I didn't hear anything. There weren't any noises or anything like that. I was just lying in bed. And my door to my bedroom was just slightly open, just barely open. And the only light in the house, it was very dark, the only light in the house was probably coming from the outside front porch light. And that light was coming in through the windows of the living room, kitchen area. And for my position in bed, 
looking out the door and out the hallway. That's probably what I was seeing was that light source. And as I lied there, suddenly I realized that I, I recognized shadows that seemed to be moving past the doorway. And, and uh, the first thing I noticed is those shadows weren't very tall. They were only about the height of the doorknob. And so I, it wasn't scary to me. I was more, in fact, to a five-year-old, you can imagine, um, and this probably went through my head, I was more interested thinking more in terms of like a leprechaun mm -hmm. or something in, in that context. Yeah. And so I was, I was curious. And, and so the first thing I did was verify what I was seeing. And so I got out of bed, I went to the door, and I cracked it open a little bit more so that I could see better verify what I was seeing and almost instantly the shadow passed by again so I knew there was indeed something out in the hallway and and so I as I attempted to uh, open the door uh, to move out into the hallway suddenly the door opened and this entity appeared in front of me and, and I'm going to call her she, and we'll get into that in a moment. But uh, she appeared in the doorway, the doorway opened, and she was about my height, uh, which five years old, I wasn't much taller than the doorknob height, mm -hmm. actually. And so again, I was not threatened by this. Yeah. Um, I got a look at her there. She was only three, two or three feet in front of me. Um, appeared to be wearing what I would call a hoodie, but it was dark and, and there were shadows, um, uh, like a bodysuit hoodie type thing. I was only seeing her really from the waist up. It was just very brief. Uh, her face, small features, um, really dominated by her eyes, mm -hmm. which were what you would call, you know, kind of the classical gray eye. The only, the only thing that I would say in terms of those gray eyes is that a lot of times these gray eyes are portrayed more angular than yeah. what I recognize. In re reality, it would be more... more like a horizontal? Yes. Okay. But they were large and very piercing and they dominated. Yeah. And, and they were almost um, controlling. Uh, and so immediately I felt myself being put back into bed. Um, she never got closer to me. I just felt myself going back into bed. Uh, I got back into bed and um, the covers, I don't know if I pulled the covers up or whether the covers were pulled up over me, but I do remember I was still awake. Mm -hmm. I was being put back into bed, but I was still awake and I pretended to go to sleep. You know how a child does. Mm -hmm. I pretended to close my eyes, but I never closed my eyes. Mm -hmm. And I w continued to watch her. Mm -hmm. She was at the foot of my bed. Uh, I pretended to go to sleep. Oh, I'm, I left out. She had raised her finger mm -hmm. to her nose or her face. She, there wasn't really a nose yeah. um, like we know it. There was nothing prominent, yeah. protruding. Um, she just raised her finger as if to hush me or to say, be quiet mm -hmm. as, she, as I went back to bed, mm -hmm. which I found to be, again, not threatening. 
it was almost like a, a mother would do to tell you to hush, be quiet, go back to sleep. Yeah, like don't say anything or there might be consequences or something like that. It wasn't even like threatening like that. Really? It was more like motherly, like nurturing. very nurturing, gentle. Huh. Um, I'm going to mention a little bit more about that, but uh, she, no, it, it was just hush, go back to sleep. Um, now, what, what color was her body? It was very dark in there, um, but everything I, there was no, in anything I saw, there is no, what I would call fashion or style uh-huh. or color. Mm-hmm involved here whatever i see is going to be very um uh just just for useful yeah just just what what, you know it could be like a bodysuit um yeah because like when when people think of the if you see a, a a picture of a classic gray just because of the shape of their face and the darkness it appears they're wearing a hoodie Mm mm-hmm or a bodysuit, right. but it may not be at all. Mm-hmm. It could be just the shadows and the shapes right. in the darkness. That's just the appearance. And and if anything, I would say gray. gray. Whites, grays, yeah. things like that. Shades. Would you say, you know, the typical portrayal of an alien, like I got you those sunglasses where it looks like, you know, they have the big, their head is really big around the top and they have those big eyes. Would you say that's accurate? Absolutely. Just the eyes are a little more horizontal than they are, like these. Yes. Angled like that. Yes. That's yeah. interesting. It's funny because, you know, there are people that don't believe. But then, where did that picture of the alien come from? Like someone had to well, have. Yeah, yeah. They've had this experience before. Yeah. But actually, Kateri, I'm not even sure these are the aliens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And as 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 this story develops, mm-hmm. you're gonna see. I think. What we're dealing with here at this point, and what I'm dealing with with her, and the shadows that are moving past the door, I think are are um, technology. Hmm. To be honest with you, and and so as as we move forward here, the I'm going. I have gotten up. Hmm. I pretended to be asleep. She left the room. I watched her leave the room and close the door behind her. Mm-hmm. Not all the way. Much like it was when I first found it. Which leads me to believe maybe she's the one that shut it yeah. when I first noticed. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't remember. I never heard them come in the house. Yeah. But I have I have verified now that there are intruders in the house. Mm-hmm. And so I, I know that. And that's what I'm going to act on right now. So I got up, when she closed the door, I went to the door and I opened it. And all the activity I've seen to this point is happening out in the living room area. That's where the shadows are passing by and going to. So as I walk out into the hallway, I turned into the the living room briefly, enough to verify that there were indeed shadows moving through the room. They were short, again, doorknob height, my height, um, but they, these were moving uh, uh, very rapidly, like darting, so fast that I couldn't even tell you how many there were. Mm-hmm. There were at least two, because I saw a lot of movement. Uh-huh. Um, and, and it was almost like they were, in the faint light, I could see that they were just looking at things mm-hmm. on, the, on, the, on the counters, on, on whatever. Was, they were just looking at things mm-hmm. and moving quickly. 
I was moving quickly too. Once I verified they were there, now I got to get help. Mm -hmm. So I turned to go into my parents' room to the left. As I entered the doorway, stepped into the doorway, I noticed that standing on my left was her, she. And, and again, she's my height, she's standing there, and she is focused, her attention is focused to the other side of the room, uh, which now mine turns to, to see what they're looking at. And now I notice that in the corner of the room, on, on the other side of the bed, and there is a, a faint light source, like a, a faint bluish white light, very faint, enough to illuminate um, what they're doing. And, um, and so I can see that there's two figures on that side of the bed. There's, there's uh, the person that's lying on that side of the bed. There's uh, one of these uh, entities. And these two entities are larger than the first. Mm -hmm. These two, and there's actually three of them, but these two are closer to five feet tall. And they look, I call them the doctors. Mm -hmm. and, and they're wearing like white lab coats. And I didn't get a real good look at, at them because there's much more interesting things that are about to happen. But um, one of them is, is kneeling and with the light, and he's on the side of that person's head on the bed, who in, in, in the, it turns out it's my mother. Mm -hmm. um, but, but they seem to be working on the side of her head or, or in her ear area. Mm -hmm. and, and in the light, I can see the silhouettes. There's a doctor kneeling, and then there's another one that's crouched, leaning over his shoulder, observing. Mm -hmm. He seems to be super supervising, I would say. Yeah. Now I notice to my right, there's two more figures. And they're, again, their attention is over in the corner. They're observing like everybody, everybody's watching what's going on on the other side of the room. I look at these two now standing just to my right. Uh, one of them is another doctor, five feet tall. He seems to be supervising the other two. But he's standing with what I will call the leader. And he's the leader because he's the big guy. This is the real alien, okay? Mm -hmm. He's, I call him the big guy. Mm -hmm. And because he is as tall as the ceiling. We're talking close to seven feet tall huge, here. Yeah. Huge. And to a five-year-old, that's huge. Mm -hmm. um, what I saw was a tall, thin, long arms, long torso, um, I can't really describe the hands. Uh, it never touched me, mm -hmm. thank God. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the face was, the, was rather um, geometrical, okay, angular, geometrical. And the eyes, again, were very piercing and large. But just the shape um, of, this, of this creature reminded me of a praying mantis mm -hmm. okay now even though i say praying mantis i want you to know that none of these things moved like bugs yeah they dressed and moved like humans mm -hmm. okay just like the facial features they had expressions the her expressions are about to change they she had emotions um so did he all right so the so the guy in charge now as i notice him 
he suddenly sees me, notices me, and everything's going to happen. This whole incident, by the way, probably took about maybe three or four minutes. Mm-hmm. Most of it is which takes place me in bed. Yeah. That is takes the longest. When I move out into the hallway, things happen very quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. As I enter the room, it's just a matter of them noticing that I'm there. When he notices I'm there, he he bar he says something. There's a there's a, a, I heard something, and you know it was if it was a language I never saw lips, I never saw a mouth, I never saw anything move that way. Mm-hmm. It could have been a sound mm-hmm. that they made to communicate. Yeah. Either way, there was communication. Mm-hmm. He said something to her. He was he was upset mm-hmm. at her, and she acknowledged that, and I could see it on her face. Mm-hmm. She she looked at me very worried. They were all perplexed mm-hmm. as to why I was there because she was supposed to be guarding you, and they're like, "You ruined it." Yes, yes, but even then, they still were trying to figure out why I was there. Mm-hmm. What didn't work? Mm-hmm. Either way, I'm there. So now he just leans from seven feet tall. He leans over and gets right in my face. Right in my face. Mm-hmm. I'm face to face with this thing. And he's pissed off, I can tell. And he's angry. He, well, he's angry. Uh, the whole scene is wrapping up. As, as he's given me this dirty look and a snort, because he looks at me in my face and he goes, <sighs> he snorts mm-hmm. at me. And as he's doing this, all of them dematerialize. The back wall of the room turns to a bright, shiny light, and they seem to dematerialize and disappear out into the light. About this time, about the time that he gave me the snort was about the time I let out the scream. Okay? Mm-hmm. But by the time, in that instant, They're they gone. were gone. Okay? But, but I, 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 I had control of that situation from the moment I cracked the door open and, and, and uh, unveiled their... their uh, intrusion Mm -hmm. to the point and then and then i pretended to be asleep and fooled the one that was sent to quiet me down Mm -hmm. and now i have blown whatever it was they were doing in that room Mm -hmm. and exposed it and my last control move was to let out the scream Mm -hmm. and out the door they went out the out the wall they went Mm -hmm. at which point the next thing i remember was my dad grabbing me you can imagine what they felt like. I'm, I'm now. I'm standing in their bedroom screaming. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they, they're acting like they've just been woken up by you. Like nothing happened, right? Correct. Yeah, and that's, and 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 for the next, um, well, I don't think they ever believed that anything ever happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it was something unfortunately that I lived with uh, mm-hmm. by myself for a very long time, mm-hmm. you know, as, as I'm about to tell you as we go on. Mm-hmm. It's not now going to be until uh, uh, 1987 
then uh, when when uh, Whitley Stryber uh, uh, publishes the book Communion, and I saw the cover of the book, and it was she, basically, that was in my room, and I can't tell you how I felt. Probably just like relieved, like absolutely, I'm not crazy. Absolutely, absolutely, and. Uh, anyway, that was uh, uh, that was a long time coming. That book, and, and and then also along the way, I might add that um, I was also Art Bell um, started his program on Coast to Coast and then Dreamland, and Willie Stryber was a guest that I got to listen on, and so uh, things started to change, and so I did start to feel less, even though there was still there was not a subject that I could discuss with friends or family or, or co-workers or anything like that or what I was experiencing. Yeah. But there's like content out there that's making you see like people are people have seen this this before. You're not the only one anymore. Right. right. Absolutely. So so uh, um, so the, but there were some interesting dynamics to this experience for sure. And as I as gone on in my life and, and more and more has come out. I can go back on this story, and, and there's interesting things. Like I say, um, the, 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 the shadows in the living room were moving at a different speed than the others. Mm-hmm. Um, they were smaller than the seven-foot guy mm-hmm. or even the five-foot guy, the doctors. Um, they had a purpose. They were there. It was almost like they had been wound up and sent in to do a job. That's mm-hmm. why I call them technology. Mm-hmm. There was no interaction. I never saw them again. Yeah. This was more like technology. Hmm. Even her, I, I, you know, I wonder if this is some sort of hybrid technology, bio, biological kind of thing. Yeah. You know. Um, anyway, the five years old, and and uh, one of the things that it did do to me also was even though everyone was telling me that I didn't see this. I never let go of the fact that I did indeed see exactly what I've described mm-hmm. here. And this is the same story that I told them that I'm telling you right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll swear to this one. Okay. So crazy. I love that story. That turned me into a believer. <laughs> <laughs> Along with all the other ones. Well, shall we shall we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Okay. Well, um, so so that one happened at, at five years old. As you know, with my Halloween stories, um, it's not just alien things. Someone later in my life told me that that basically the veil between me and other worlds is very thin. Mm-hmm. So I don't just see one thing i see lots of things mm-hmm. i see like and i have no control over anything mm-hmm. it's just whatever happens happens kind of thing and but i am a a, a very keen observer mm-hmm. i've become a very keen observer and again a, a lot of this i i i think comes from this initial experience um because it did make me very aware and and i man i mean i i literally looked at every shadow um from this point on and and questioned everything that that I saw, you know. How do you not? How do you not? That's exactly right. And and the other thing was um, I also had to deal with the the trauma 
and and a lot of the uh, dealing with the trauma also sharpened a lot of I think my my paranormal abilities. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. dreams. I had to control my nightmares, mm-hmm. and so I, I uh, and that and that developed into into lucid dreaming. Mm-hmm. And, and dream states and things like that, mm-hmm. um, prophetic dreaming, on and on. But we'll go on here because um, essentially now let's, let's, let's move on. I'm having lots of other experiences. Kateri can tell you I have witch stories and, and, mm-hmm. and all kinds of things. Like I said, it, if you're interested, definitely go back and listen to that podcast. It was released around last Halloween. Some amazing stories that we love. Okay, so... Uh, now let's let's fast forward about 12, 13 years, and and this next story is one that that I've n- not really talked about much in my life. Um, these others I've openly, uh, I've freely opened up and told these stories all my life as they happened, uh, but this one was different, and I think it's because I never really recognized it mm-hmm. as being an incident until much later in my life, and I'm not sure why. Well, I, I think I do now, but. Um, so I, I was about 17 years old and I went on a camping trip with two girlfriends of mine from, uh, uh, into Sedona, Arizona, uh, up Oak Creek Canyon. And, uh, we argued all the way there and unfortunately, and, and, uh, got into an argument and I stormed out of the campsite and, um, I was only gosh 17 years old mm-hmm. and and there was a, a bar across the street and so I, I went into that bar and, and got a got a, had a few beers I remember there was a guy in there that swore I had been in the army with him or in the navy <laughs> with him in, in Guam or something so that helped your case on getting it helped drinks. my case <laughs> he started buying me beers either way Kateri the you know I I I was upset over the breakup that was about to take place with this gal. And I, I, I wandered down into Sedona. I'm not even sure how. I must have hitchhiked or gotten a ride. But I, I, I went to Sedona, and I went to the Oak Creek Tavern. And was sitting in the Oak Creek Tavern having a, a few more beers when I noticed these, the, these people, three or four people, came walking in. And it was summertime, and they were dressed oddly, like trench coats, hats, mm-hmm. totally inappropriate for the summer. Yeah. And, and uh, they were rather odd-looking, and people were looking at them. Um, for some reason, that only uh, uh, piqued my interest. And, of course, I've had a f- I have a few beers in me. Yeah, at this point. And, and, and so I wanted, walked over to them and sat down introduced myself. And at first, they wanted no part of me. You know, they, you know what do you want? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. You know, like, hey, you know, you look like you needed a friend or something like that, I said. You know, and, and then I noticed that the waitresses, no one would wait on them. Um, and for some reason, it upset me. And I said, you know what, we put up with this stuff. Let's get out of here. And, and so I, we left and we walked out and I told them uh, that I was hungry. You know, I, I wanted to get something to eat. Let's get something to eat. And I remember walking across the street, and I remember the name of the restaurant. It was the Velvet Turtle. Mm-hmm. And we walked in there and experienced the same thing. 
where no one would come near him. Hmm. And, and I, I was starting to notice um, that there was something odd looking about them. They, and, and in the sense that they all looked kind of similar. Mm -hmm. Okay, they were all small and, and all dressed similarly and looked kind of similar. Mm -hmm. And you could see their faces, like, oh, yeah. they're just, like, regular oh, people, yeah. human faces. Well, you know, they, you know. They looked a little funky, but they, they, were, funky, they were human. You know, a lot of humans look funky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you know, um, I was young and, and a little tipsy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is another reason why I've never really discussed this story, because mm -hmm. I was drinking and I was upset. Mm -hmm. and, and so, but now I'm really upset because of the treatment they're getting. I don't know what's going on. And so, and so we, we walked out and I said, you know, Hey, you know, they said, they said, well, you know, our, our, we're parked right up here. Okay. And so we walked North and, but I'm familiar with Sedona and I know that there's, we're running out of town here. And so we head right out of Sedona, headed up towards Oak Creek Canyon. Mm -hmm. And we're walking up to, there's a bridge up there called Midgley Bridge. And we're walking pretty soon. We're, we're at Midgley Bridge. And I'm like, where are we going? Mm -hmm. And, and uh, he, well, we're parked right up here. And so we, we, we went a little farther. And I'm like, well, I know where we're headed. We're headed to Grasshopper Point mm -hmm. up here. I know this. And, and so we didn't get to the entrance. We cut through the, 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 the terrain and right down to the creek and headed up to Grasshopper Point, and that's indeed where they said that their vehicle was parked. Their vehicle mm -hmm. was parked. It was dark, it was at night, and I knew where I was, and they had others there. There was a group, I couldn't really see them all, it was dark. They all kind of looked similar though, mm -hmm. and uh, immediately, man, I, I took off my shirt and shoes and stuff and, and headed up and was jumping off the cliffs there at Grasshopper Point, which scared the hell out of them. They were just frightened that I was going to hurt myself. Mm -hmm. And all of them were on the bank pleading with me to come down. And, and, and so I jumped, you know, mm -hmm. came down and that was that. And, and um, we, we hung out all night until, until dawn. And at, at, towards dawn, suddenly, suddenly as, as the light came, they just, in a hurry, up and got to go, huh. scooted, gone. Hmm. And they were. And as the light increased, they were just gone, you know. And I got out of the creek and, and looked around, you know, and, and there was nothing. And I guess it's time for me to, to leave. And so I headed up the road, and as I got up to the to the top of the road, if you've ever been to Grasshopper Point, it's it's uh, it's a steep hill that leads down to the creek. The main road has a road that steep road that leads down, and it's a day use campsite only. And at night they come through and they close it, and by closing it, they bring a metal bar guardrail right across the road mm -hmm. and lock it. The, the road was locked and closed mm -hmm. when I got to the top. Mm -hmm. So how they had, first of all, how they had a vehicle there, I don't know. Mm -mm. 
And so that was, I remember thinking, how the hell and where did they go? Mm -hmm. Okay, so, but then I, I, I spent that day walking back up Oak Creek Canyon. I remember hitchhiking, not getting a ride. And then when I got back to the, to the campsite, uh, the girls were waiting for me with a couple of rangers, and they were all very worried. Mm-hmm. And, and they said to me, where have you been? And I said, oh, I went into Sedona last night. And they said, but you've been gone for three days. And you thought this was like a night? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. Yeah. And and this is 1975, um, early early summer, midsummer of 75. And, and to be honest with you, this is way before anybody was, was talking about um, missing time or abductions or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it, it, none of it, none of it really made sense to me. Okay. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until until um, years later when I started thinking about that and, and, and movies did come out um, because the two people I was with insisted and it, and it was true mm-hmm. I was indeed missing those days um, but I, I can't tell you anything about yeah. what happened um, now now what, what really piqued my, my interest here was, was that um, it, I was gone from that area. Uh, at that point, I moved to Denver, Colorado, and was gone for about two years, a little over two years. And when I came back, I came to Sedona. And um, I looked up that restaurant, The Velvet Turtle, and I've looked it up since. And it never existed. And it's never existed. What? Yes. And, and, and I, um, I mean, I just remember specifically, it's such a specific name. Mm-hmm. And well, this literally does sound straight out of a movie, like something this you would is, see in a movie. So, so what, what we're talking about here, and the reason I, I, I want to hit on this is because this is going to develop here as I go on, is, is I want you to remember this term, and that is, other dimensions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because this this is almost a scenario where this is a Sedona, another Sedona that mm-hmm. exists in another place in time. Mm-hmm. That, and that's all I'm going to say at yeah. this point. How else do you explain? Like, how else do you try to make it make well, sense? Well, I'm not. I'm just... I, 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 I'm, I open, I'm very open-minded. Mm-hmm. Just, just like I can tell you in that first story how that light, in, 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 when I was young, that back wall that they, that they left out of, vanished through, I, I was a light. It was just a light. Mm-hmm. Today, I think it was a vortex. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and so today, I can tell you that what happened to me in 1974 could be an instance of another dimension. Yeah, because when you're like pondering it all these years, how else do you try to make it make any sense? And it's, it's being, and that time, and that whole thing is being manipulated mm-hmm. 
by these entities mm -hmm. that took me down to Grasshopper mm -hmm. Point. And they did take me there. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're parked just up here. Yeah. They led me there. Uh huh. I don't know why. Okay, so. Now, I have a question. Sure. What you saw when you were five versus what you saw when you were 17, do you think these entities do you think the technology has made them just look more real like look like they're just amongst us or do you think it was something completely different the the the, the ones in sedona here and and i don't know what that was all about okay um and, and when you say amongst us if 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 they were among if they if this was another dimension another place maybe they weren't amongst us at all maybe i was amongst them but how did you get there <laughs> well yes yeah, something yeah. something happened you yeah. know but but there's obviously i'm i'm, I'm missing three days yeah. when did i enter yeah when it, did i enter that no you're right you know, i i don't i just don't know that's crazy. all i know is that i'm having and this is going to be a common thing here and yeah. as, you, as you can see they're in control of a lot of things yeah if they can if they can dematerialize some of them dematerialize and move through a vortex Who's to say what else they can do? Yeah. Okay. I will say this. The first group when I was five is not the same group mm -hmm. as, as, you know, when I'm 17. Right. These guys are different looking. Mm -hmm. they're, they're not very big. Mm -hmm. They're four and a half feet, five feet tall. Mm -hmm. Looking That's similar. Small. You know, if anything, you know what they kind of remind me of were the men in black. Really? Yeah. Except that they weren't wearing sunglasses uh -huh. or suits. It was more trench coat and hat. But they were quiet, reserved. Yeah. We talked. I enjoyed the conversation. They yeah. were very, you know. Like normal. No, it was smart, yeah. intelligent. Intelligent. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Let's let's move on to this next one now, because because now I've I've gone on to to I moved to Denver, mm -hmm. and holy God, uh, again now I've taken my myself up into. Uh, what I think is one of the most haunted places in the whole world, and that's Denver, Colorado. Mm. And, and so I did not have... Uh, my The next two years is dominated by, by really dark stuff that I encountered up in Denver. You know the, the story of the, the entity that came up the steps and opened my front door. Mm. That happened in Colorado. I don't think you can spit in Colorado without hitting something haunted. <laughs> Honest to God. Really? Honest to God. But specifically the Capitol Hill area, um, where, where movies like Poltergeist, uh, where they moved the headstones and left the graves, that came from that area. Mm -hmm. That's real. Um, the haunting. There's just a, a, a very dark area. And, and a lot of that dominated the next two years of my life up there rather than, than more UFOs. Mm -hmm. But I did meet a guy up there uh, who was very interesting. And he kind of rekindled. Because even what happened to me when I was 17 was not really a UFO story to no. me at that point. It was more of a breakup. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't really believe that I was missing three days. Mm -hmm. I didn't. Yeah. And, and so... I had moved on. I went to Colorado. I met this guy, George, and he was a, a reserve officer. He became a police officer. Um, he was a, a Vietnam veteran. Uh, he, he was in the reserve, military reserve. He read, read intelligence photos. And I worked with him. And, and he became a good friend of mine. And, and, and one day, 
Um, he's still, he, I think he's the sheriff up in Georgetown. George is the sheriff of Georgetown <laughs> up in Colorado. But he's just a good, solid guy. But reading intelligence photos, uh, he asked me, he said, do you believe in UFOs? And I said, well, you know, I've had some experiences. And I told him that first experience. And he said, well, he said, I have seen intelligence photos and we have all kinds of photos of these things. He says, um, right off the wing of the plane, we have close-up pictures, lots. Mm -hmm. This is in the 70s, mid-70s. And, and so he piqued my interest, you know. And he did tell me, he said that they, they seemed to be most interested in, like, missile silos, nuclear warheads, nuclear facilities, nuclear stuff. Mm -hmm. That's what he told me they were most interested in. Yeah. Um, so it piqued my interest at mm -hmm. that point. And, and so it, uh, right around that time, I moved back to Arizona. And George had told me that story, and, and I, it, it piqued my interest in, in UFOs. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, I was driving back to Arizona, and I was coming through uh, uh, Socorro. I got uh, near Socorro, New Mexico. And I was really, I was looking at the map, and I was hoping that I was going to get close to Roswell. Mm -hmm. Okay, because yeah. I heard about Roswell, and I thought, oh, God, I got to see what that's all about. Mm -hmm. But it was, I wasn't going to get there. Mm -hmm. um, but it didn't matter. I was coming back. I had big plans. Um, I was really uh, feeling good about things. I had accomplished a lot. And so here I was on my way. And I got to Socorro. I was as close as I'm going to get. And I veered off towards a town called Magdalena and, and started to head off. And, and now what's interesting about this area is, is, it, is it Socorro is very close to Trinity, where they tested the first nuclear weapon. The very first atomic blast took mm -hmm. place there. Mm -hmm. And it's not very far from Roswell. Uh, the site of the first crash or supposed first crash mm -hmm. okay so that's where I'm at Socorro and I'm headed to, to Magdalena um, on my way to Arizona to the town of Springerville and as I'm headed towards uh, Magdalena and I'm thinking about Roswell I happen to notice off to my left out on the desert floor that suddenly there's a light um, like a beam of light lighting up the desert. You know, almost as if it was searching for something. And I thought, wow, you know, that's kind of cool. And, and I remember uh, watching it, keeping it on my left, and I and, uh, didn't hear anything. Sometimes it was there, sometimes it wasn't. Um, this, is, this is late at night, maybe 3 o'clock in the morning, maybe 3.30. Mm -hmm. I'm driving from Denver all night to uh, Arizona. And um, this is a very remote place. There's not much there, nothing there. And there was no traffic. And I was on this elevated highway a little bit, and um, I just stuck out like a sore thumb. Mm -hmm. The only thing there was me and my car headlights. And as I was thinking that very thought, I'm thinking, you know, this is getting weird. This is a little weird, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, this is the area, and here's this thing out here with a beam of light. It's kind of weird. And I was like, you know, if it's really interested in me, it's going to come near me because I'm the only thing here. Mm -hmm. As soon as I said that, it started coming towards me. You know, and I was like, what the hell? 
And so I, Magdalena is still 10, 12 miles off in the distance. I can see it because there's nothing between me and it. I can see the lights in the distance, mm-hmm. but it's a ways off. But I floored it. And the next thing I remember was that flash of light hitting somewhere on the road behind me. I could see it in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. So it must have been pretty close, um, which, of course, scared the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much so that I think at that point, I actually turned my headlights off and just floored it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just get me to town. But I wasn't going to make it. But but it was start. It was like you know four o'clock, four thirty in the morning, and 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 it's starting to get the light. The sky is not as dark mm-hmm. as it was, and that seemed to help. And so now this thing seems to be gone. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so now I'm driving on, and I can see I'm getting closer to Magdalena, and now I, I'm driving in. There's I can see there's a deer standing on the side of the road a big deer standing on the side of the road and i thought well that you know first i didn't want to hit it Mm -hmm. and i didn't want to spook it so that it jumped out in front of me so i slowly rolled up to it and as i I, it didn't move i actually pulled right up next to it and stopped and it was just standing there Hmm. and i rolled they leaned over and i rolled down the window and it turned and it looked at me and I was like that's kind of cool you yeah. know what I mean and then and, and I and I got out of the car I, I got out and I was looking across the top of the car at it and it didn't move I was expecting it to leave yeah and it didn't and I walked around to the front of the car I was at the middle of the front of the car looking at it and it didn't move and and now I realized that it, the way it was looking at me, and there was something about those eyes that was piercing, mm-hmm. and it re- reminded me of those eyes, and it scared the hell out of me again. That's so scary. And at that moment, because I was getting going to get back in the car and leave, and that's what I did. But at that moment, behind it, in the juniper and pinion shrub trees behind it, they were low trees, all of a sudden, all at the same time, these multiple heads stuck out. All deer. Mm -hmm. All the same looking deer with the same eyes, the same look. All stuck their heads out. Oh my God. I was so creeped out. Mm -hmm. I jumped in the car again and took off i'm on this emotional roller coaster yeah okay it's getting weirder and weirder Mm -hmm. man i bolt i can see i must be three miles from magdalena which seems very close but it's not Mm -hmm. and so i'm hauling ass and i finally get there and it might be it might be five o'clock in the morning quarter to five or something at this point and it's a very small town and i need gas and so I just, but I just want to be somewhere mm-hmm. around some people. And so I get to this town and there's no one there. It's, it's, everything is closed and fine. You know, I roll into a gas station, I pull up into a stall and I'm just waiting for it to open. 
And you know, I just pull back my seat. I'm gonna go catch a, an hour's worth of sleep here until somebody comes. I'm really shook up and exhausted. And so I fell asleep and, and when I woke up, the sun was up and it, it was bright and sunny, but there were no people, not a soul. Hmm. And I, I don't know, I had to leave. I, I, I still need to see people. I'm still, I'm creeped out. Yeah. And I look on the map and Daddle is the next town. It's not very far. And so off I go. And I get to, to Daddle and it's the same thing. And, and now I'm, I'm really in bad shape. I need, I haven't seen a person now in a long time or a car. Mm-hmm. And so I head it off because uh, I'm scared. And there are towns on the map. Pie Town, Quamado, but they're going to turn out to be nothing. And now I realize as I'm heading through the through this country that I'm about to run out of gas in the middle of nowhere because I was afraid mm-hmm. and how stupid this was. You know, and I was literally on fumes when and, and I was on on a hill, and I remember coasting down this long hill. And thinking to myself, I'm going to get to the bottom of this hill, and that's going to be about it. Mm-hmm. And and, but when I got down to the bottom of the hill, I could see that there was a, a house, a ranch. And I was like, thank God, at least I'm not going to be stuck in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so I pulled up, I made it to the house, I pulled up, and he had a gas pump in the front of the house, and I was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was, as I pulled up to it, it was very old and antique. And this was during the 70s gas embargoes, you know, where there was gas rationing. And gas was as expensive then as it is now. Mm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And, 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 and to give you an idea how old this pump was, you know how the price of gas is on there? Mm-hmm. The price that was on there was like 25 cents a gallon. Okay, mm-hmm. when gas was really closer to five dollars. Yeah. Gallon. Okay. Wow. So I, I really did not believe this thing worked. Yeah. It didn't look like it had been used. Okay. So I pulled up. I parked there. I was thankful to be there. Um, the man, uh, uh, the ranch. I didn't. I didn't want to wake anyone up. I didn't want to intrude. I didn't want to bother anyone because I was going to ask them for gas. Mm-hmm. And, and so I said, I you know I saw they had a chimney, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, there's a chimney. I was like, uh, uh, I'll wait until this smoke comes out the chimney, mm-hmm. and then I'll go knock on the door. As soon as I thought that, Kateri, smoke came out the chimney. Of course it did. You know, and I was like, cool. As soon as I headed to the door, the front door opened, and out came this man, mm-hmm. an older man. And uh, he came over, and, and I said, hey, this is my situation. Can you sell me some? Yeah, you know, no problem. You know, cool, great. This is this is even this is going very well now. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, gosh, this is going better than I could expect. I'm here. The smoke he came out. I can get gas. Perfect. Perfect. He says to me, um, you know, how about a cup of coffee? Heck yeah, yeah, sure. Come on. He, next door, he's got this small building. He's a little diner, very small diner. Mm-hmm. Twenty, twenty-five people max. Mm-hmm. Small diner. And it doesn't look like it's been used. He, you know, there's there's nothing that looks like it's been used. But he goes back there behind the counter and he starts making some coffee. Put on some coffee. 
he did, and he starts talking to me. But it's not like a normal conversation. This man is almost like digging into my soul. Mm. Okay? And, and I am feeling really good about where I'm at in my life. I have accomplished a lot of things, and I have just taken this job as a, a surgical assistant in Cottonwood, Arizona. And it's a big step for me. I'm excited. I'm also going back to get married. These are big steps, and I'm very excited. He pretty much puts a damper on both. I don't understand what he's doing. Yeah. You know, sometimes he's telling me things don't always work out the way we think they're going to work out. Sometimes this happens, sometimes this happens. You know what? Turns out that this guy is absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. Everybody involved is lying to me. And nothing turns out the way it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I don't know it at the time. But I'm getting tired of his busting my uh, balloon here. Yeah. And, and, uh, and because of his line of questioning, I'm starting to get a little creeped out again. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, where did this diner come from? What's it doing here? Mm-hmm. Who comes here? Who, no one. <laughs> and, and, and as I'm thinking this, he, all of a sudden he says to me, that's John Wayne's autograph on the wall. He carved his initial. He carved his name there. All right. So I look, and it says Marion Morrison, which is John Wayne's real name. And it kind of sets me at ease again. Enough, anyway, to finish my coffee. Why John Wayne carved Marion Morrison into a wall instead of the Duke, I don't know. <laughs> But anyway, I finish my coffee. He takes me outside. Um, he, the pump that doesn't look like it works, works. He fills up my car. I said to him, thank you so much. How much do I owe you? He looks at it, says something like five bucks. And I said, no, 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 no. I can't thank you enough. You don't have to do that. You know, gas is $5 a gallon. I got money. Yeah. How much do I owe you, sir? And he said, five bucks. And I said, well, what do you mean five bucks? Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and smiled and said, I get a special deal. And I got in my car and I drove off. Just as creeped out. But now... Kateri, but now everything's back to normal. Mm -hmm. There's cars. My next stop is Springerville. There's people, regular. It's, it's all back to normal. Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened yeah. there, but I do know that from the time, let's say, that I saw the light flashing to the time this guy came out of that house, I had not seen a human. Mm -hmm. And again, it's almost as if, did, did, I, did I disappear for a while? And did this guy bring me back? Yeah. Just like those other people took me and brought me back? Mm -hmm. What's going on here? Yeah. You know, and, 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 and so... Um, 
you know, simplest. I, I just don't know. Especially with gas being that cheap by him, it makes you think, like, I don't know. Too often in these stories, I think of it and it happens. Mm-hmm. Almost like they're reading my mind. Yeah. There's too much of this. Yeah. It's something, just, just food for thought. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last one. Last one. Last one. Okay, this one now, we're going to uh, fast forward to, to Flagstaff. Now, I'm, oh boy, it doesn't get any better than this for me. I'm, uh, I'm married, I got two kids. Um, I built this house uh, in the woods up in Flagstaff near Walnut Canyon. It's just beautiful. I'm a, I'm a surgical administrator. Uh, I built my own house. Uh, it's everything I ever wanted. Uh, so I'm really just very happy. And I've just completed the house. And so now I'm living. I don't even have any work to do. I've built a surgical facility. I'm really kicking back, enjoying life. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it, it's 19, 1987, 1988. And, and uh, it's at night again, middle of the night. And I, you know, I'm free now. Everybody's asleep upstairs. And I steal some time to go downstairs and play some video games. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> and so there I was, and, and, and I'm fixated on that little TV in the corner playing my video games. I think it was something like uh, Space Invaders. <laughs> no, no kidding. <laughs> and that's what, you know, they played then. And, and I wasn't very good at it. So I was really trying. It was hard. Um, but all of a sudden, I notice this tremendous bright light has lit up the wall behind me. You know, and I mean, it was, uh, it was so bright that it took my eyes off of the video game I mean, that I was very interested in, you know. That's, and, and here's this light coming through and lighting up the wall. And so I got up, you know, for, the, for one thing, I live in the woods. Um, houses are acres apart. There's only maybe 20 houses in the whole development. It's in the woods, uh, off, way off the beaten track miles three or three miles yeah three and a half miles off the main road uh so there's just no reason for there to be any traffic at all in the middle of the night yeah at all so if you do see a light coming through your window it alarms you Mm -hmm. what's going on and so that's that's my state of mind there uh so i got up and went to the window and and i just built the house and we didn't have the curtains or, or or blinds up yet and so I think I had like a, a knitted blanket that was covering that window, uh, but it had big holes in it so I could see out of it. And I got up and I was peering out at that and I could see this bright light. Um, the, the property was, like I said, three acres. So it was about roughly 200 feet, 150, 150 to 200 feet from the house, the window I was looking at to the road. Mm-hmm. Um, a hundred feet away were two big pine trees directly in front of me. The light seemed to be coming from around those two trees, coming directly into the window at me. Um, that's all I could see was the light. It was as if someone had a huge flashlight just mm-hmm. shining it through at me. Um, so I got up and I was looking at that. That light went out. And then there was a small light that suddenly was on the driveway coming up towards the house and it was the size of a car headlight which made me think it was a car Mm -hmm. but there was only one 
So I think, well, maybe it's a car without uh, missing a headlight, or maybe it's a motorcycle, I'm thinking, mm -hmm. but there's no sound. I don't hear a motorcycle, no sound at all. And now all of a sudden, though, it veers off of the driveway and just comes up into my front yard 25 feet in front of me, mm -hmm. in, in front of the window. I'm still looking out. I think I, I, I changed my view a little bit so I could see a little better. Um, but now this light is, is sitting there. I'm looking at it, and now it starts to change. Um, so it, it's it, just a light. It's not like you see... I don't see any kind nothing of shape, else where no it's vehicle. coming from. I don't see a car. I don't see a motorcycle. I don't see any type of anything attached to this just light. Just like a floating just, light. Just a, like floating light. Hmm. Um, at this point, and, and it does just look like a floating light. Um, this is my first look at it. It goes into the front yard, 25 feet in front of me, and now it starts to go through through a series of changes. It changes shape. It changes size. It goes from one foot to maybe an eight-foot circle. Mm. Okay, and it's very bright. Um, but I notice now, as bright as it is, almost blinding, um, that it doesn't light up anything. In fact, it barely lights up the ground underneath it. Hmm. Okay, as bright as this yeah. is, it doesn't light up anything. It doesn't even light up the two big pine trees that are behind it. Mm. It doesn't illuminate anything. You know, and it, it, it gets bright, it gets uh, dark, um, and I mean dark, okay? It, it, the most spectacular, at one point, it turns into like a total solar eclipse. You know what a solar eclipse looks like? Mm -hmm. Where the moon moves in front of the sun and all you can see is the corona? Yeah. That's what it looked like. Mm. And, and it was spectacular mm -hmm. in front of me. And it wasn't just a light. These are, this isn't like a, a dead light. This is like um, intelligent. It's, it's, there's, there's shimmer to it. There's movement. There's, it's, it's intelligent. Yeah. I have no question that it sees me. Mm -hmm. it, this whole time, I'm not hiding from it. It knows everything. Mm -hmm. And it does. So... I'm watching this, and, and it's spectacular. And, and now I realize, at this point, because of what I've been through in my life, because of the ridicule I've, I've gone through, I need proof. I need proof. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, I am going out the door to confront this, because it's 25 feet away. This is my best shot mm -hmm. now. And that's my mindset. As I run through the house, I looked at the clock to see if I'm going to miss time. And out the door I'm headed. But as I get my hand on the door, I can hear this voice in my head warning me not to come outside. It's not safe. And it stopped me dead in my tracks. Mm -hmm. You know, and as much as I wanted to go out there, and I did, I couldn't. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't. It warned me not to. Mm -hmm. So my next, my next uh, step then was to run upstairs and wake up my, my wife. We had a great view from upstairs. We were looking down on the scene or across level at the scene that transpires. But I woke her up. And uh, as we looked down, the light now, the, the, the big circle, it was gone. It was back to a headlight. 
and it was moving back down the driveway. When it got down to the two big trees, it went behind them and appeared to climb into something else. That object then lifted up, and, and I'm watching, I'm looking down on this. It moved across the road to the, how, the next house. Mm-hmm. It hovered above that house, and now at this point, I'm looking eye level, directly across. So it's only, the, the house across the street is single level. Mm-hmm. So this thing is only 10 feet above that house, yeah. hovering. And it puts out another beam of light that gives me a good estimate of the size of this thing, which I would say is about 30 feet mm-hmm. long. And so the light is the same size as the object, which I can't see. Mm-hmm. I can't make out an object. All I can see is the light that comes out from underneath it. There seems to be a shadow that I'm following, mm-hmm. but that's it. Uh, today, I would call that cloaking or some type of invisibility mm-hmm. technology. Right. You know, because I could even see what, what perplexed me was I could see everything that was supposed to be there. Like if there was a house in the background, the house was still there. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like reflecting its environment. Right. Okay, the, the cloaking of ability. Anyway, so I'm watching this object. It hovers above this house for a minute, and then it moves to the next house and does the exact same thing. Moves to the next house, does the exact same thing. It then traveled up the road, left the neighborhood. As it got to the ridge crest above the neighborhood there, it just lifted up into the sky got up into the sky and then it started a series of patterns where it would split into multiple objects and then dance in the sky you've ever seen like an atom mm-hmm. yeah with all those things jumping around you know yeah that's what it looked like and then it would all come back into one and then it would move mm-hmm. and then it would repeat and we watched this for 30 minutes. Wow. Okay. And so this whole experience is close to an hour. And as I'm watching this thing disappear off into the distance, I'm thinking to myself, it started right here in my backyard. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and there's technologies here, the silence, the, the light that doesn't catch shadows. Yeah. Um, the voices in my head, um, it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. That's nuts. So, those are uh, those are my stories. There's one thing I wanted to touch on that you made very clear to me from the very beginning when you told me all these stories. You told me that they're not here to scare. They don't want to scare us. They don't want to harm us. They're right. Well, um, I can't say I can't say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I can only tell but you my experience. experience. Yes. Okay, okay. In the, in the first experience, um, her, you know, shushing she you. shushing me was, was so gentle. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that, first, and, and, I, and, and I don't know, this might be something that they do um, to, to a part of their keeping you um, not in the open, keeping you in the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, do, they, do they put you to sleep? Do they make you lose your memory? 
do they make you like them? Um, because the, I liked her. Mm-hmm. I liked her. Mm-hmm. Just like I liked those people in Sedona. Mm-hmm. I cared about them. Mm-hmm. That was weird. Mm-hmm. I cared the way they were being treated for yeah. no reason. Um, they were, they were, they, they, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a problem. Nobody hurt me. Mm-hmm. Even the, the praying mantis didn't hurt me. Yeah. He never touched me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he wanted to. Yeah. But. Because there's uh, like such a stigma that they're, they want to harm us or invade or anything like that. I don't know but, what they're doing there. Yeah. I don't know, you know, in my, in my opinion, okay, he was there working on my mom. Right. What was he doing? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Was it a good thing? I kind of doubt it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're self-serving. Mm-hmm. What, what's the purpose? I have no idea. Um, how did they get in there? I never heard them enter the house. Um, but, but again, I, I think I saw some of their technology. That's why I tell my stories. Yeah. Um, I, I think I saw the portal. Mm-hmm. Um, just like this, this, uh, this, bla- this, this ball of light in Flagstaff mm-hmm. that looks like a, a, an eclipse. Okay. Um, that could have been a portal. All I really saw was the headlight move up into that. Yeah. And then from upstairs, I saw the headlight move away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Was it coming in and out of the portal? Was there something else going on there? Mm-hmm. That's a possibility. Yeah. Okay. Um, which would have, which would actually would have implied um, possibly that there was entities moving around outside mm-hmm. and maybe that's why they didn't want me to come out. Right. I don't know. Um, but, but anyway, um, yeah, yeah, no. And, and, uh, and then the guy, the guy in, in New Mexico, the you know, uh, nobody hurt me. Mm-hmm. Um, other than, other than, other than being, if I was, and I, and I don't know this, my next step, and, and you know, and I have now, now that I've put all this, uh, recordings and stuff where it's fresh from my memory this is the way it happened this is the way I remember it my next step is probably going to be at some point here to be uh, uh, regressed hypnotically so that I can retrieve even more information that's possibly mm-hmm. here and, and, then, and then we might find out what happened in New Mexico right. what happened with those deer mm-hmm. you know um what happened with that guy? What happened in Sedona? Um, so that's that's the the next. <laughs> the that's next amazing, and it's. I know that you love to tell your stories, but it's but it's because you've heard other people's stories and they resonate with you so much. So you have you have no idea how much your stories might resonate with somebody else. Like exactly. they might have seen the same thing exactly. or thought they were hallucinating or thought they were dreaming, but they hear you and they're like, "Wow!" It gives so much. Uh, Credence uh, when when other people tell you that they've seen the exact same thing and they tell you those stories and now fortunately in this day and age you know it's just gotten so much easier and better um, like I just I just met a, a, a lady um, my next door neighbor as a matter of fact and she's had experiences and and just in our first introductory meeting we were able to to talk about this subject. Uh, very openly and it's so refreshing and and that's how we that's how we learn that's Mm -hmm. how we learn about things yeah 
It's amazing. And I know you've seen things similar to what you saw. Like, I remember you said there was like an ancient aliens um, episode where someone described a praying mantis type thing. Not only did, did she describe that, but it also happened in the same year. Right. 1962 in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. um, even the, 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 the shimmering light on the wall and the vortex and the grays and the, and the, the different eyes. sizes, yeah. the eyes, the praying mantis. Um, and that, that one book you read where something took place like a right around Magdalena, right? Actually, actually in, in, in the New Mexico story, that area, Socorro, um, is a hotbed of... of, of instances they say roswell but there's actually a book just came out that suggests that there was a, a crash there um before roswell uh, on on the, so what we're talking about is we're talking about the site of the first nuclear mm -hmm. blast right. trinity and and so you have um the first suspected crash uh that happened there um just, just that would be just west of Trinity. Roswell crash would be just east of Trinity. Uh, a police officer in um, Socorro uh, saw a craft land there in Socorro, which would be just north of Trinity. Mm -hmm. um, my experience was right there. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also a suspected crash in a town called Corona, which is very close to there and also one in the plains of San Augustine, mm -hmm. which is again, west of there. So you're talking about five major mm -hmm. crashes in yeah. that area, uh -huh. you know, and, and it suggests, in the, in the last book that was written by Jacques Vallée, he suggested that, that there's a reason for it. And that is uh, essentially they're protesting the uh, new, use of nuclear weapons, mm -hmm. which is kind of the same thing that my police officer friend suggested from the intelligence photos he was reading in Colorado. Wow. Yeah. That's so crazy. Well, Dennis, thank you so much for telling your stories. I personally love it. I can't get enough. <laughs> it's my pleasure, Katiri. And again, these were the main, these were the main kind of stories, very interesting, uh, in-depth stories. But I've had so many experiences mm -hmm. of uh, viewing objects mm -hmm. in the sky. Um, uh, through the course of my life, and, mm -hmm. and you know, because I've told you about these, and maybe someday we'll get together and talk about yeah. some of that. Because you know, the next chapter of my life is is doing some viewing up yeah. on my property up in the mountains. Yeah, can't wait. I actually have one more question. I think we forgot to do this last year, but you're on the Sweet Things podcast, and at the end of every episode, we have to tell the listeners our Sweet Thing of the week. So, is there something? It doesn't have to be sweet. It could be anything. Is there something that you have been loving lately that you want the world to know about? Well, yeah, actually, if they still have it, you got to get to Trader Joe's and try their um, uh, pumpkin Kringle. Pumpkin Kringle. Yeah. Okay. You know, you know what the Kringle is? No. It's a. It's like a. Um, is it like popcorn? A Danish. Oh, Danish. Yeah, it's a pumpkin Danish, a big one, and they are delicious. Ooh, that sounds good. My sweet thing of the week is going to be soup. And it's gonna be this specific soup. I found the recipe online from an influencer that posted about it, but it's lemon chicken orzo soup. And as it's getting cooler outside, like it's 77 degrees outside at night in Arizona right now. So obviously I'm freezing, but 
Um, but it's soup season and everyone loves soups. So this lemon chicken orzo soup has been my favorite since I found it like last year. Maybe it was the year before. But yeah, you got to get into if it's spooky season, it's soup season. So got to love soup. Thank you so much, Dennis, for telling your stories. I can't wait to share it with everybody. And hopefully everyone is enjoying these spooky stories during Halloween time. And I guess that is going to be it for today's episode of the Sweet Things podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed Dennis's stories about UFOs and aliens or whatever life form he came into contact with. As you can all hear and probably recognize, it's not something everyone comes into contact with. So I think it's amazing that Dennis is sharing his stories with us and just helping other people out that have maybe experienced the same things. I'm sure it's amazing to not feel alone when you hear other people talk about their encounters. So yeah, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Maybe we'll make it just a tradition and have them on next year too. I don't know, but I'm just so happy and thankful that Dennis takes time out of his busy life to tell his stories to the world. So thank you guys again for listening to the Sweet Thanks podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or anywhere else that you anywhere else that you listen to podcasts and we'll catch you next week on the sweet things podcast have the sweetest day